we meet each other, I would like to know if you are a believer. Then comes the question, where you fellowship? Are you from the assemblies? Are you from somewhere else? So what Satan does, and what I have noticed in my little experience where God allowed me to go and meet many people in the country, there are many, many people in the churches today, I'm talking of brethren assemblies, who are struggling with the issue of believing. Now, it is rightly said, it was reminded, unless we believe in the death, burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no question of being a disciple. That is the base, that is the first step. I hope that everybody who is present here can say from the depth of your heart, praise the Lord, yes, there was a time, there was a day, there was a place where I purposely, willingly understood and gave my life to Christ, believing that he is not only the savior, but he is the only savior of mankind. Wonderful, it started there. But then it should not stop there. You are not only supposed to believe in the sacrificial work of the Lord Jesus Christ, but you are supposed to believe in everything that the Bible says. That is where people are struggling. Believing in all the wondrous miracles of the Bible, believing in all the testimonies of the Bible, believing everything that the Bible says, then only you can grow and mature into a disciple. So what, the, what Satan is doing is, I've seen it in so many people's lives, sad to say, there are some believers who have been in the Lord for more than 20 years and are not one step closer to becoming a disciple because they are struggling in this one point to be a good believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and in everything that God says in his word. I don't know if there is somebody here who falls in that category. You certainly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will certainly be in eternity with him. There is no doubt of that because our names are written on the book of life because we believed in the salvation available in Christ. But then what about the other things in our day-to-day -day life? Are we yet struggling with the small and big things which is a part of our Christian life? That is the question. If I am struggling, if I am stumbling too often, if there are more doubts, then the confidence in everything that the Bible says, let me say this very politely, such a person will never be a good disciple of Jesus Christ. So what Satan does? He attacks us there. It may be for small issues, it may be for big issues. We'll just read one verse in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. Mark chapter 9, verse 24, a very familiar verse to most of us. Can somebody read that for me, please? As this is what the father of that boy said, the child. He said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. See, this is our nature. We believe in the Lord. When the message comes, we are so excited, we are so committed. Sometimes we have got tears in our eyes. We make silent commitments to the Lord. But when the real time comes to prove our faith, to prove that I believe in everything that God says, many of us struggle.
stumble. Many of us draw back. Why? Because both the things are there in our heart. Belief and unbelief. We are only human. What the man was trying to say is, Lord, when I was bringing my son, my child unto you, I brought, it I brought him because I believe that only you can heal him. But even as I was coming closer and closer and closer, there was this question popping up in my heart and my mind. What is the question? Will he really be able to heal my son? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Brethren, pray to the Lord. Lord, remove our unbelief. Help me to believe you in everything that you say. Just like a child. You, you catch the hand of your child and you are walking on a busy road. There was an accident yesterday. Maybe a whole family died there. The child is totally ignorant of that. He's so happy, so carefree because daddy is holding his hand. Please read with me also. Luke 24 and verse 25. Yes, we are to believe not only portions of the scriptures, not only those things which are easily believed, we are supposed to believe all that has been written. Everything of the Bible. So may the Lord really help us that in, in, in the process of being a good disciple, the least I can do is to believe him who is the truth, who never changes, who does not and cannot tell a lie. When we have this faith, then it becomes easy for the Spirit of God to work in our lives and to to, you know, take us in the direction of being a good, fruitful disciple. I heard an example of a, of a small church which had a small Sunday school and they had a teacher, the Sunday school teacher. He was a very capable person. He was very talented but he was not the type of a believer that I'm speaking about. So what he did is, as they were, as he was taking the Sunday school, he was speaking about the crossing of the Red Sea. And he said everything that the lesson book said, and then he said also, he said, you know, children, it's not necessary that we believe that literally the children of Israel, lakhs of people crossed with a full flowing river standing on both sides. Actually, it is also possible that there was a low tide. So the water was only knee deep. So these people moved over uh, in that water and it was not all that difficult. So there was a small child there, a girl. She, you know, uh, instantaneously shouted hallelujah. He said, hallelujah, for people walking through the knee-deep water. She said, no, uncle. Thank God that God could drown the army of Pharaoh in knee-deep water. Are you getting it? When we read the word, when we face God, I got to believe everything that the Bible says. After 34 years walking with the Lord, I can say, 
keeping God in my sight. It is more difficult for me to doubt today than to believe. When I started, it was more difficult for me to believe and easy to doubt certain things. But after 34 years in the Lord, after 20 years in the Lord, after 10 years in the Lord, if yet it is more easy for us to doubt than to believe, then we are wasting our time just sitting over here. So that is the first place where Satan attacks. Then the second one, the Bible very rightly says, and it's, shall we just read one verse, uh, Ephesians 1, 1 please. Ephesians 1 1. Now Paul is writing to the saints. We all know, we all believe, every person who has believed in the Lord Jesus Christ is a saint. Now, whereas I think it is in Philippians 1 1, uh, just read that also, please. Philippians 1 1 says, Yeah, there is another verse which says, Called to be saints. We are saints because we believed in Christ, and we are called to be saints means to maintain that holiness, the sanctified blessedness which God has granted us through His Son. Now, many, many believers are not able to maintain that holiness. There are many believers who are too often falling in sin. So, you see, it is like going to square one again. And when there is sin in my life, I cannot even think of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. So these are the two areas where Satan is always attacking. So may the Lord help us. And... With all due respect to every individual sitting in this hall, I hope there is not one person who is right now trapped in sin, living a defeated life, forced to put up a front which is not right, singing songs, clapping your hands, dancing unto the Lord with sin in our life, it is a sure way of telling God, please don't work in my life. You know, what is impossible for God? Nothing. But if a believer purposely dwells in sin, even God cannot help him. Is he knocking on the door of our heart? Is the Spirit of God trying to convince our, our consciousness? Yes, all the time. But I have made my conscience to die. I'm not interested in the voice of God. I'm too engrossed with what is happening in my life, which is not right. I can never be a disciple. Why do I say these things? When I was praying and asking the Lord what to speak, this is what the Lord gave me. I've just shared it with you. I'm sitting with you. Just standing here, I'm in the same, same group. If I indulge in... Unholiness in sin may it be of a relationship, may it be something that I am addicted to see, to read, whatever it is, even God cannot help me. When we talk of disciples, 
I would like you to please come with me to two thoughts. A follower of Christ. There are two types of followers. One type is what we find in Matthew chapter 4 verse 19. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. People who are personally called to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. As far as discipleship is concerned, yes, it is true. Every believer is supposed to be a disciple. Every believer is called to be a disciple. In spite of this, there are times when God will call personally to some person and say that you must follow me. You must do this. You must do that. He will take your name. He will talk to you. And he will ask you to be separated for a, for a particular purpose. This is what the Lord did when he was on the face of this earth. This is what happened in the early church. And this is what has been happening throughout Christian history. Being called by God for a definite purpose. To do something, see, in the sight of God, there is nothing big and small. It is only saying yes or no. Stepping out to do what God wants us to do. We have got time, so I'll just try share a little of my testimony. I was born again in the year 1982. I come from a, uh, a Catholic background. I was working as a painter in Vasco. I started as a daily wages labor and then the Lord in his mercy in a very short period of time made me a contractor. I started taking small contracts. Seven, eight people were working for me and life was going on. Not very well off but I was not struggling. I was happy with the Lord. I was happy with my job. So it was I think in the year 88 uh, there, there was this brother by the name of Don Stanton. I hope he's alive today, I don't know. So Don Stanton is, was a person, is a person who, whose ministry was to take global events, things that are happening, and related to the scriptures, the prophecies. And he used to, he used to write and distribute this this uh, small book named Alert all over the country, all over the world in fact. So it so happened that Govan brethren, they invited him for three days special meeting to Goa. I was given the responsibility of seeing that he is taken to a nice restaurant where he does not have to eat pungent food. So for three days, breakfast, lunch, dinner, I am with him. Therefore, we became friends. And after he went away from Goa, we continued to correspond with one another. So after some time, I think in 89, he sent me a small booklet with a personal letter. The name of the booklet was Prayer Fuel. It was a booklet with 40 pages, 40 matters for each day. Sent to many people around the country. And he had requested, brother, please join us in faithfully praying for each matter every day. 
I was glad. I did that one day, two days. And for some reason, after the third day, I forgot about it. There was a gap of almost 10 days. 13 July, 89. Uh, we were all going to bed. I couldn't sleep. So I thought, I'll just go out, have a short word of prayer, read a portion, and I'll come back. I, I just quietly went out to a very small passage we had. I started reading. Uh, no, I opened my Bible. And there I found this small booklet, Prayer Fuel. I felt so guilty, so bad. This brother has, you know, he has, uh, he has relied upon me to be one of the, one of the praying partners. So I, I opened to 13 July. The matter was North India. And a few statistics were uh, given over there. This is the population, this is the point percent of uh, Christianity and in this hardly a few believers are there. And then in bold letters, pray for North India, pray for evangelism to increase over there. And so I started praying. Uh, we believers are praying all the time. But you will agree with me that there are moments, there are days when you really pray in the spirit. We pray all the time. But there are days when there is a very urgent need, when a heart is throbbing, when ears, when our eyes are overflowed with tears or whatever it is, sometimes we pray in the spirit. That was one of the days. I don't know whether I prayed for five minutes or I prayed for half an hour, but I was praying intensely and I was requesting God, you must send somebody to North India. I don't know how many times I said that. It was like a child being stubbornly wanting something from the father. And as I continued doing this, I heard a very clear, small voice. The voice said, If you are serious about my glory in North India, go to North India. Around 11 o'clock in the night, I got goosebumps. I stopped praying. I didn't even say Amen. I went inside. I slept. And for the first time in my life, I covered my head and slept. I never do that. I was really afraid. Why? Because God's voice is not like yours and mine. It penetrates the innermost part of the heart. Secondly, I was telling to some, send somebody he was telling, you go. That was not my cup of tea. So I went and I slept. I got up in the morning and the first thing that was coming to my mind, to my ears, to my heart was, if you are serious about me, go to North India. I was restless. There was a meeting in the evening. I went for the Bible study. And I, I, could, I could relate to one brother. And I just shared with him, brother, this is what has happened. Can you help me? Uh, I said, brother, what should I do? He said, brother, if it is from the Lord, he will confirm it. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be confused. Pray, God will speak to you. As I was going back home, I just prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't know if this is your voice, if this is the result of my emotions, 
is I, if I was too carried away and I thought God is calling me because I have heard, I have seen many people stepping out into the ministry and then giving it up and just coming back. I don't want to go as an emotional person. Speak to me, Lord, and show me if you are really calling me. I'm confused. This is what I said to God. I waited for my family to sleep. After they slept, I quietly went out again. And I said, Lord, would you please tell me, are you calling me? I opened my portion. It was John's Gospel, chapter 15. I request somebody to read the 16th verse of the 15th chapter. John chapter 15, verse 16. I asked God a very specific question. I said, Lord, are you calling me? Is it the result of my emotion or something I am mistaking for your call? This is what God says. You did not choose me. I have chosen you. I cannot even think of trying to explain to you what I felt on my heart at that moment. I had, I had no experience of preaching the gospel apart from one, a few instances where I had talked on one to one I did not know anything about North India and yet here was God saying that you go so I just prayed Lord if this is thy will I am here I don't know why you choose me because if I was in your place the last person on earth I would choose to minister for the gospel is David Joseph and then I was overwhelmed by the situation. I remained in the presence of God. Then the Spirit of God helped me and I said one thing to God. I said, Lord, since you have already confirmed that I should come and do the work of the Lord in North India, will you please pass on this message to my wife? Why did I say that? Because if your wife doesn't stand with you, Half of your labor is gone in vain. I have seen some brethren who are struggling to do the Lord's work. They are sincere in their calling, in their submission and in their commitment. But just because the wife is not supporting or understanding, they are not able to serve. Now in this, it is not only the wife's mistake or drawback. Many men of God who have been called have never shared their calling with their wives. In the beginning itself. So I said, Lord, please work in a heart. And when I talk to her, let us say amen to it. Three days I prayed. On the fourth day, when the children were gone to bed, I told her, don't sleep. I just want to talk to you. She came out. I said, see, there is something heavy on my heart for the last three days. She said, I have noticed that. You are not normal. Then I told her everything that happened from the prayer fuel book to the prayer, to the question, to the answer. She listened quietly. Then I said, what, what do you say? She was quiet for a long time. Then she said, see, I'm your wife. Supposing you take a decision, you make a decision that painting work is not going on good in Vasco and you are planning to go to anywhere else. 
Karnatak, Bombay, Delhi, anywhere. I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to come with you because you're my husband. Then she said, I'm not as familiar with the scriptures like you. I don't know as much. But I can understand this. If God calls a married man to ministry, he's calling his wife also. I cannot even begin to tell you. What a relief. I just caught her eyes. We both knelt down and we said, Lord, here are two fools willing to walk in your ways. Do whatever you want. Send us where you want to send us. And thus, the next, in the beginning of 91, with two children, we went to Bihar. I don't have time to go into details why I went to Bihar only. God calls specifically. Is there somebody here whom God has been calling in the last few weeks, months, or even a couple of years? You know it is God's voice. You know it is God's will. And you have not been able to respond. I met a brother in the course of my ministry, a very loving brother. When he was with us in the team, you see, we used to move out of our, uh, out of the place where we stayed at 7 in the morning, take two hours drive and then start the outreach work. And by 3 we were all tired and hungry. Sometimes we were eat on the road, sometimes we would come and cook and eat. So all of us at a, at a certain point of time we would say, okay brother, stop it here, now we'll move. Usually I used to drive. Then as we are driving, he would say, brother, brother, can we just stop at one more place? See, 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 there's a good junction, a lot of people. Brother, just one place, just a short gospel and we'll move. What I'm trying to say is, when we were tired, he wanted to do more. That's wonderful. He was called by the Lord 17 years prior to coming out for the ministry. How many years? 17 long years when he was on the peak of his, of his career, of his life. On a very good position. He had every facility that he wanted. That is the time God told him, come back to India. Do the Lord's work. He said, he said to me personally, David, I wanted to, but I was so concerned about my family. I was so concerned about what would happen. And I said, Lord, I will come, but I'll come tomorrow. I'll come some other time. And that time went on to 17 long years. And when he came for the ministry, he labored and labored. And then suddenly, he just went to be with the Lord. You know what he was trying to do? He was trying to catch the 17 years he lost. And nothing that he does will regain that again. So if there is any young person, any, believe, any brother or sister here, where the Lord has been laying on your heart, please respond. Don't worry about the future. Don't think that your job and your business is why you are surviving today. Not necessary. Everything can flop. I can have lakhs of rupees and yet not be able to eat a normal morsel of food. So God calls many people in this way. 
I was just telling the brother who, who was with me in the two by two that one of the most important things which is missing among many believers today is the one-to-one -one communication with God. When we go for meetings and we talk, and I said, the Lord said to me, I met a sister, a very loving sister. She said, brother, I've noticed many times you saying, the Lord said to me, how can you say this? How can God talk to you? How do I answer her? I said, sister, I can only say this. God delights to talk to them that talk to him. God delights to talk to them that talk to him. Cultivate a habit, a practice of having a conversation with God. We don't want flowery words. We just want a one-to-one -one talk. I want to thank God for calling me. We could stay for 18 years in Bihar and Jharkhand. And actually, you know, uh, when the first time I went with the brother with whom I stayed for the first one month, you must have heard about Brother P.J. John. I was with him. So we went on a bike, fully loaded, the, a portable speaker on my shoulder. We went in two, three places. He preached, and then he said, would you like to? I said, yes. So we went to a, a crowded place, and I spoke, maybe about 12 minutes, 15 minutes, and then we distributed books, sold some literature, and we moved. So I asked him, brother, how was it? He said it was good. But sorry to say there was no gospel in your preaching. I did not know what to preach. That was such a piercing thing to me. After that, whenever he preached or anybody preached, I would give all my attention to what they are saying. And I thank God for giving me at least a thousand opportunities to preach the gospel all over the country. The second, uh, looking for a watch that works according to my speed. Uh, the second one is Mark 8.34. Mark 8 verse 34. Now the Lord is saying, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. See, this is not a person who is called specifically by name. This is an invitation to all that are present, whoever would want to come. It is my personal decision, my, my desire, a desire of a believer to do something for the Lord. Nobody tells me to do it. See, you, we have all met people who will do anything that you tell them to do. If you go to Jharkhand, any Jharkhand is here? No? Yeah, thank God. <laughs> if you go to Jharkhand, see, among the Santal Adivasis, a very hardworking, those who have come to the Lord have, are really uh, growing, progressing. They have one nat natural habit. What is that? I went to a believer's house, and right in front of his house, there's a big stone, a boulder. And even his children are stumbling over it. He will sit there, and he'll watch. Then when I went there and I saw that, I said, Ari, yaar, Prem, one week back I came here, 
This stone was here. Now also it is here. You know what he asked me? Brother, utaun kya? Phekun kya? I said, utaun yaar, kiske liye ruka hai? They will not do unless they are told. And then there are others. They see something is missing. You don't have to tell them. The chairs are dirty. They will find a cloth. They will do it because they love the Lord. There may be some of you over here. The joy of your heart is to be involved in the Lord's work. To do something for the Lord. No job is too big. No job is too small. So may the Lord help us that we do things from ourselves. We do it because we want to do it. I'll just take you to one verse relating to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 15. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 15. This verse is so, you know, it's, it has made a great impact on my life. I love this verse. I've spoken so many times about this. A family who has devoted themselves. It's a voluntary devotedness. Nobody asked them to do it. They wanted to do something. And as they did it, the joy increased and the desire to do more increased. And now they have devoted it themselves. If they built an extra room, it is for the wayfarer who will come and lodge there. If they are buying a big supply of food, of grains, it is with the expectation, Lord, will you send somebody today? So may the Lord help us. If he calls us, let us respond. If he doesn't call us, I'm not going to waste my time. I'm going to do something for the glory of God. Now we come to the cost, cost of discipleship. Brother was mentioning about the cross. Anyone who doesn't take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me or cannot be my disciple. Now to be a disciple is really a very costly Costly matter, costly affair. What does it mean to carry the cross? It means to give him the first place in our life. Nobody more important to him. Now this is not easy. To love him more than ourselves. To love him or to be dead to the world is to carry the cross and walk after the Lord Jesus Christ. To be obedient unto death. But it is not easy. It's a big price to pay. But then is it not true that we have come across or read about some men who carried the cross with a smile on their face? Have you not heard about people who carried the cross and were almost pleading for some more deeper experience of pain or shame or whatever to be done for the glory of God. Now the thing is, what made the difference about some who are saying, Oh my God, I have to do all this. And those who are saying, Thank you Lord for giving us this. What is the difference? 
I think the difference is the understanding of what we have received when we got saved. That makes all the difference. Uh, see, I was in the, when I went to Bihar, we started a team. I was the junior most member of the team. So usually in those days, we went on early morning on Monday. We went to a different district altogether. Four days we spent there. By Thursday evening, we came back. Friday was a busy day for us in the morning. We had to go to the medical college in the evening. We had to go to the leprosy mission. I'm talking about Muzaffarpur, Bihar. Now, a few times it happened. I was taking a nap. 4.30 we have to move. I just lied down. I'm tired. And then suddenly I got up. And uh, I put on my pant and I was about to go out. So my wife said, where are you going? I said, you know the vehicle is very dusty and dirty. It has to be washed. And then she asked me a question. And she said, why is it that only you have to wash? Others like to preach. Others like to be involved in everything. Why do you have to go to wash? You don't go today. See, she was not against the others. She had love for her husband. She knew I needed that rest. That's all. Then I told her, See, you know what the Lord said. Immediately she said, it's Anything I say, you will say what the Lord said. I said, no, literally, please listen to me. So she said, what? So I took her to Luke chapter 7. I think it is worth reading that. Luke chapter 7 and uh, 41 to 43, I'll just read it for you. The Lord is telling... There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me therefore which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said, you have rightly judged. I told my wife, I don't know what they were before they came to Christ, but I know what I was. Apart from God, nobody would have had mercy upon me. There was no way I could be saved. There was no way that I could change my ways. I am just seeking ways to repay. It cannot be done, but in small ways if I can do something for the Lord. And... You see, the more we value salvation, the more we understand salvation, the more we understand what I have received from the Lord. Let me just ask you. Because we believed in Christ, what are we now? Some answers, please. What are we now? Because I believed in Christ, what am I? Yeah? Child of God? Don't say hesitatingly, sister. Aram Sibolo, child of God. Yes, somebody else? I am a child of God, then? Yeah, sons and daughters. Yeah, we are saints. Our names are written on the book of life. No more fear of death. No more fear of judgment. 
we are going to go in the very presence of god no wealth of this world can gain that position we have the very presence of god in our life we have the the we, we have the company and the guard and we are guarded by the angels you can go on and on and on and if all this is true will i worry if god asks me to give something in return who are the people who are struggling to repay to do something what god tells them to do they have not fully understood what god has given us free of cost what we did not deserve i did not even ask for it i didn't go to search god did you go to search god in return of this if he is asking me something is it too much in fact we all should be in prayer lord is there something undone is there something i can do it's a privilege it's a honor it's an opportunity for all of us when we get time to do something for the lord i'll just wind up with two things that come to my mind there is a movie about apostle paul i forget the name it's a very good movie it shows how he was a pharisee and how you know he came to the lord and everything and in the movie they show that he has got a close friend uh, you know one who is with him they do things together so when that friend suspects and comes to know that paul is about to make a declaration of having believed in jesus christ he comes and he catches hold of him and he says have you gone out of your mind do you know what will happen do you know what will what you will lose do you know the honor and the prestige that you have today because you are doing what you are doing as a pharisee and when he kept on saying and saying and threatening him and warning him paul answers with one sentence he says it's a small price to pay when i saw that movie and i heard that sentence i went back 3 4 times wonderful statement it's a small price to pay for what we have received what we are receiving and what we will receive forever and ever from the mighty hands of god to forsake all i was thinking if we if we literally do it and there have been some brethren as mentioned city stard and others who literally gave up most of their wealth and walked to serve the lord i don't know how many of us are here in this room today what if we also all said okay praise the lord we'll forsake all means we'll give up everything so what will happen see for me it is easy because i am staying in a rented house okay now for those who can do such a thing i would salute them respect them honor their decisions but for those of us who cannot do that not practical what does god want us to do how do we forsake everything i may have everything but i won't be attached to everything anything there is nothing in my house if god asks and i will say no 
If it is like that, it is better you don't have that thing. What is the sense of having something which cannot be given back or given for the glory, honor and extension of the kingdom of God? Brother, I'll finish in time. Don't worry. Don't show that to me again. So may the Lord help us. Let us pray to the Spirit of God. Lord, help me to understand what I have received from thee. Now there is also, there are also some people who want to give, but don't have to give. Over here, maybe there is nobody in this situation, I hope so, but come with me to Bihar, come with me to Jharkhand, and you will find many who have tears in their eyes, and their silent hearts are screaming out and saying, Kash mere paas bhi kuch hota, mein prabhu ko de deta. I heard a story, I usually tell it many places. I am going to tell this now. It seems there was a widow who had uh, three sons. Three sons, one of them was quite small. The other two were of age where they could work. And uh, the eldest son had a promotion. And it was a, it was a big promotion. It makes a lot of difference in his salary. So mummy's birthday came and he came and the second brother also. So the elder one, he went to the best shop, dress material. He bought the best sari for his mother and they came in the evening together and they said, mummy, this is for you. She said, beta, ye karne ka jarurat kya tha? He said, no, no, mummy, you have done so much for us. Then the second one came and gave something and they uh, in a very jovial way, looked at a small fellow and said, Hey, tum mummy ko kuch nahi dega? So he kept quiet. <laughs> what can he give? Mummy said, Yeah, don't trouble him. He said, No, no, you are always pampering him. Anything happens. Uh, chotu, Chotu, Chotu. So let Chotu give you something. Then Chotu quietly went away from there. After a few minutes, he came back. He could not hide. There was a plate in his hand. He was walking. He came to mummy. And he, he kept the plate in front of her feet. So the brother said, Oh, mummy ka plate leke mummy ko dega kya? So he said, Nay bhaiya. He went and sat in the plate. He said, Mummy, I don't have anything else. I give myself to you. God does not want your money. God does not want your property. We don't have time. But there is that, uh, that verse where, they said, where it is said, They gave themselves first to God. And then to us. May the Lord help us. If you have not given yourself to God, don't give your things to God. But if you are giving yourself to God, give him holy. I requested brother will sing one song and we'll wind up. We all know this song. I was asking because if I sing, you'll forget singing. <laughs> but I'll take the risk of doing it. I would request you all to please stand up. We will sing the first and the last words. It goes like this. May the Spirit of God help us. 
I give my life for thee, my precious blood I shed, that thou might ransom me and raised up from the dead. I gave, I gave my life for thee, what hast thou given for me I gave I gave my life for thee what hast thou given for me I suffered much for thee more than thy tongue can tell of bitterest agony to rescue thee from hell. I've borne it, borne it all for thee. What hast thou borne for me? I've borne it, borne it all for thee. What hast thou borne for me? Shall we just uh, pray and wind up this session? May the Lord help us search our hearts and give us grace and strength to do whatever he wants us to do. Merciful, gracious and loving God, our Heavenly Father, it is so overwhelming, Lord, that a God like thee should love people like me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, Lord, your plans and purposes in our life. We thank you for bearing with us. We thank you, Lord, for teaching us again and again and again till we realize what you want us to do. At this point, Lord, we are grateful to thee for all of us. We are thankful for the power of thy word and Lord we pray and we commit ourselves into your hands help us to believe help us to maintain that holiness which you have given unto us help us Lord not to give only our things but to give ourselves to thee because we ask it giving the thanks in the most holy and highly exalted name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ